Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now When making beer, there are all kinds of things you can do to make it look great. Making clear beer is one way, and a really kick-ass packaging is another. So today we're going to take a stab at discussing making your own beer labels with graphic designer Corey Lazar. He's going to talk about the types of graphic software that you can use, and style tips to make great beer labels, today on Homebrewing DIY. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruising ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast. And that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin. They are no match for scrubber duckies. And you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, parts, this podcast covers it all. On today's show, we're going to talk to Corey Lazar. He's a great graphic designer in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's an up-and-coming homebrewer that makes some of the coolest beer labels that I've seen in the wild. Today, we'll discuss how you can do with very little and make a professional-looking label for your homebrew. First thing, I would like to repeat my call for homebrew hacks. We're doing a really cool show where we will discuss all of the great tips and tricks that our listeners have sent in to make their brew day easier. We already have a ton of great ones and would love to still hear more. You can email your homebrew hacks to podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. Add the subject line homebrew hacks and we could read them on the show for our last show of the year. The last date to get your hack in is December 9th, so get them in. And if you have a really cool hack, the top five that we like are going to get a nice little gift from Homebrewing DIY. Not really sure what it is yet, but it should be something pretty cool. I have another small announcement to make, and that's that we're not going to drop a show next week. It's going to be Thanksgiving, and we're going to take a break and spend the time with our family. So, see you back in two weeks. 
Now I have a little bit of feedback from Kenny Raymond from the mailbag. Kenny says, hey, I was wondering if you know where I can get a walkthrough or a parts list or an install guide of the craft beer pie. I love your podcast and everything you talk about. I listen to all of them in a day. I couldn't get enough. Keep up the good work. I'm also looking forward to attending one of the homebrew club meetings for the Old Town Mash Paddlers. I live in Brighton, Colorado, and have been looking for a club just like this. Thanks again. Thanks, Kenny, for the kind email. I am glad you're all caught up. As far as the craft beer pie, I agree. We need to do a very focused show on that topic, and I've even recorded one with David Osachi. Uh, remember, we talked with him about the eye spindle? Well, I had an issue when I was upgrading my laptop to the Mac OS Catalina, and it broke my recording software, and it happened to break that the day I was recording with David. The audio is completely unusable. So, I've just been trying to reschedule with David, and between kids, life, and his travels, we just haven't been able to sync it up again. But that being said, you will see an episode on the Craft Beer Pie very soon. So just keep listening. It'll be out soon. Now, as far as uh, coming to a club meeting, we'd love to have you. Head on over to OTMP. That's OTMP for Old Town Mash Paddlers. OTMP.club and get some info of when we meet. And we'd love to have you. We're a really great club. And I think we're a bunch of nice guys. So we'd love to have you, Kenny. Once again, thanks for the feedback. And if you have any feedback and you're listening, you can always send it to podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. Once again, that email is podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. I also have an update from last week's show where we talked to George Duncan about using amylase to try to convert rice to fermentable sugars. That was just a part of the show, and we had that discussion. Well, right after we spoke, he did another project using a different amylase compound and was able to get it to convert. I'm actually going to add a link to the video that he did to update that, and it will be in the show notes after this, so check it out. Please support the podcast by heading over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. Your support of any amount will help keep this show on the air and helps this show keep coming to you for free every week. If you support us with even a $1 level or higher, you gain access to a special RSS feed with an ad-free episode and bonus contents. So head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY and support us today. Another way you can support the show is to go to podchaser.com, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts and review the show. Your five-star review is going to help others find this show. The last way you can support us is to go to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the sponsor banners on the side of the website. You can try Brewfather for free or shop at Adventures in Homebrewing and support the show. Now, let's get on with today's show, and we're going to talk to Corey Lazar about making your own beer labels on homebrewing DIY. Hi, I'm here with uh, Corey Lazar uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, he's decided to join Homebrewing DIY today to talk about really all things to do with DIY homebrew labels. So uh, Corey, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You're actually pretty new to homebrewing, so you know why don't you give me a bit of your history? Right, so I'm almost been brewing for almost a year now. I'm like three days away uh, from that year anniversary. Um, it all started with my girlfriend's mother last Christmas uh, bought me a Mister Beer uh, home brewing kit, and so for probably about four or five of my batches now. Have have been through the Mister, the the Mister Beer keg. So and then um, I'm a big porter and stout fan. So that's what I really like enjoy doing. All my friends are IPA fans. So the last two brews I've been doing, um, I did a Back to the Future themed uh, IPA called Back to the IPA, and then the one that's in process of fermenting right now is an imperial ipa that's that's awesome uh and and you started with that mr beer and uh you've probably moved to extract like 
Because was it a Mr. Beer with hop pellets in it, or was it like a hopped extract on your first batch? Uh, my first batch was with hop pellets. Okay. Yeah, my first batch was actually a Cooper's can, and the extract itself already had the hops added to it. So even crappier than Mr. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cooper's is Mr. Beer now. Yeah, so. I guess they are kind of the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, and then now you've moved to all grain brewing, right? Mm-hmm. And are you yeah. uh yeah brewing a bag three vessel? What's your, what's your current system look like? Brewing a bag. <laughs> nice. I I brew in a bag too. I'm a I'm a big fan of it. And then uh and so like the IPA you just did uh was all grain. Um, it's it, this one was with extract. This one I did use extract. Awesome. And uh, the imperial one you use extract to kind of bump up the gravity. Yeah, to bump up the gravity. Um. Uh, we're looking, um, hopefully we're going for me and my buddy, he kind of brought this idea to me. Um, we're trying to get it to about 13% right now. So yeah, that's a, that's going to be a big boy. Um, <laughs> at that, at that point you've got a hoppy barley wine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm only 2% off. So yeah. One of the things we'll, we'll see how it goes, but one of those things when you uh, get that high and, and you've got hoppy and sweetness, that's, I'm curious to see how that's actually going to come out. Right. So, um, yeah. So really why we brought you on the show is, uh, you know, you have, I, I, I actually saw you on Instagram and I saw actually some of your beer labels and how, amazing they were like uh my my beer labels i'm i'm not a big uh don't get me wrong i've made a beer label here and there i'm not the best uh i'm not the best graphic designer out there um but you know for me it's like when i saw yours yours look very very professional top notch so you know uh, what, what made you decide to start making your own beer labels and uh you know where how did you start well it all originally started when i made my first the first batch I ever made was an Oktoberfest in the middle of January made an Oktoberfest. Um, and I'm sitting there going, well, if I want to give this for my friends and my family to have, um, I'm a graphic designer by trade. And they, if I just gave them an empty bottle, they would look at it and just be like, wait, what's this? Well, it's beer. Drink it. Um, no, but I'm kind of that, to the perfectionist kind of if i'm going to give somebody something i want packaging labeling all that kind of du- all that kind of stuff um i give i give some of my batches away for birthday gifts and i give them um uh the six pack holders that are customized to to my brews and everything as well and then when it and then when you uh like you know, you give them away as gifts and, and, you know, when they have a label, they just look great. And, uh, I don't know, people just, you know, feel like beer should come that way. Right. I think they, they look at it. It might be some mental trick that your brain does on you, but a lot of people that I've talked to and met, they're like, Oh, it's home brewing. I've had homebrew beer before. And they'll taste if it does. Like I have another friend that home brews and some of his stuff, isn't the best but he always tries mine and he's like i don't know i think it's the label i think it makes it taste better yeah it's not the label <laughs> it's not the label <laughs> exactly I, I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding uh but you know when we talk about the um you know i i think i do think there is a bit of an aspect to it um you know when things look great we see it with our eyes that does automatically uh i i a bit of history of me. I come from my, my, my background in history of my career. I spent 11 years of my working, my first working years working in the restaurant and bar business. And I can tell you, I worked in some very high end restaurants and in those restaurants, you ate with your eyes as much as you ate with, with, with actually the ingredients that were on the plate. And I think the beer's kind of the same way for me. Uh, I have a kegging system. You pull a pine off my keg and it's crystal clear that immediately makes people think that that beer is going to taste better. And, and, and when you have a bottle and uh, it's a bottle conditioned beer, I'm sure. And when it comes out and you hand it to somebody and it looks really professional and it looks like you've taken the care to actually package it. Well, I think that that goes into when they make that first taste, 
they also are going to be a lot more open to it being a homebrew beer. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and like you, um, the first 15 years of my career, I was um, chefs. Uh, I was, I went to culinary school, got my uh, degree in culinary arts. So uh, I think a lot of that comes over, like you said, into the beer brewing process. And beer's cooking, man. (laughs) And, and also with the label, because yeah, you're, you want to look at something and it's, if it looks enticing, you're going to try it. You're, you may not yeah. like it, but you're going to try it. You're going to, your, Absolutely. your eyes are going to eat first. Absolutely. Eyes eat first. That's the, and I actually learned that in the restaurant business. Um, yeah. yeah and then, and then you, you, you know, when we, we talk about like what it takes to actually do a, a great, uh, beer label. Um, let's let's start with like let's say i'm a brand new uh home brewer this is my first or second batch i've i've i want to actually make my bottles look good i want to do something really nice or maybe i've brewed for 10 years and i've never actually really done anything with my bottles maybe i just like uh you know put a sticker on them or something and that's how i mark my labels and i want to get into it if if i had nothing how how would you recommend i get started um, well, first off, don't jump into all the expensive programs out there. Uh, Adobe, it's great. That's what I use personally. I use a Photoshop and Illustrator, uh, combine them both. Uh, but it's that's an expensive software. It's just, a, oh, I want to start building a label and I'm going to just jump into it. Uh, there's free software out there. Uh, one of the best out there is GIMP. Um, it's is almost as close as Photoshop. It can't do everything that Photoshop can, uh, but it's a great starter out there for anybody that wants to learn this type of software because it's not something that you could just jump into and think, okay, I'm going to create a beer label. um, And I have no artistic creative background. I'm going to try this new software and I'm going to know it right off the bat. There's a lot. I mean, even with GIMP, it's it's free, but there's a lot of tutorials out there uh, for the beginner to intermediate to learn how to use it. And uh, it's 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 a great little piece of software. Later on down the line, once you start understanding um, all your all the programs like that, then I would always recommend going to the Adobe platform. They're just the best out there. Yeah. And if I were going to start with, uh, let's say I'm going to start with GIMP and I were looking for tutorials, where, what are the best places to look for those tutorials? I mean, obviously go to Google and type it in, but you know, is it going to be great? Yeah. But is it going to be like, you know, is it better to watch a video? Is it better to read a blog? What, What do you think is the best way to learn? It all depends on, on how you, how that person learns the best. Um, I'm very hands on, so I'll have, um, when I was learning tutorials and everything, I'd have a video on one screen. I'd have it open on my other screen in whatever program I was using and doing it as they were doing it on the other screen. Um, when it comes to, yeah, Google searching, I mean, blogs are great. Um, to learn, I've learned a lot of techniques just in graphic design from blogs that I'm like, I wonder how they really did that. Cause I can't figure that out. Go find a blog and, Oh, never even thought of that. So, um, video tutorials are great as well. Cause you can pause it and play around with things and, um, and then go back to learning, continuing the, the tutorial on it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of good information on, on the on google right now that you can get great tutorials absolutely and and really if you were to move move into doing a beer label you know i know that things are different sizes what what is the standard like size for a beer label um there's a couple you have uh you have your um volo design and that's usually what i use which is a it's a landscape uh, landscape design that's four inches by th- uh, four inches long by three inches tall. 
Um, and then you have uh, then you have vertical Volo, which is the same dimensions, but it's just now going to be a, a taller label than actually f almost wrapping around the bottle. Uh, those are the two main ones that I use. There's all different. You mean there's ovals that are usually about the same dimensions, uh, but you really want to kind of stick stick with those dimensions really and you could go square three by three four by four those will work too i've seen people take squares and turn them turn them and make them into like diamond shapes as well oh yeah i mean you can you can do whatever your heart desires once it, when you place it on the bottle um i'm starting to I, i've one of the companies i go through for labels they just started doing custom labels so I can design my label and if say it's some weird gack looking shape, they'll cut it out to that shape for me now. That's really cool. Uh, and, and what website are you uh, getting your labels printed on? I do all my labels printed and uh, my actual bottle caps done at uh, grogtag.com. Okay. Yeah. Grogtag is a, uh, you know, long time, uh, website out there if, if you've listened to any uh, at least for me if you've listened to any homebrewing podcast like you are today grog tag has uh, supported a lot of them and uh, they've been around for a long time uh, in no way are they supporting me but you know one day. <laughs> they do but a great the, job too they do, and, a, they, uh, they do a great like, job comes and what's great about their labels um, I mean I don't want to plug them too much but uh, what's great is their vinyl labels so you can peel the label off once the bottle's empty and reuse the labels on another bottle. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then, uh, you don't have to worry about them, uh, like getting soggy and gross either. Yeah, they don't do that. And, and then you can reuse those bottles as well for anything else. And that's, that's what's, that's why I love going through them for my beer labels. Awesome. And then, uh, l let's say, you know, I didn't want to shell out a couple bucks. You know, I think that a, a grog tag is probably when you, I think when you price them out, they're usually like a dollar or two labels. That seem about right. At the, um, yeah. Depending on your amount, of course, with the more that you print, the cheaper it gets. Um, but yeah, it's usually for, I think. Two dozen. It's like, it's like a dollar a label. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and let's say I wanted to do something where I was, you know, using things around the house. Like, for example, uh, let's say I, you know, wanted to print one off on my printer. You know, how would you be able to give me some examples of like how I could do that and, and actually get that to adhere to my bottle? I mean, it's you you can go to any any store, Walmart, Target. They you can buy already cut labels and send them through your printer that way where your printer will know the dimensions and they have the sticky side to them. Um, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to rip them back off and reuse that label again. But um, I mean, there's the old home remedy of just using milk on the back of the, on a, on the back of your label as a yep. adhesive. Just uh, um, FYI, if they get a touch of water on them, they're gone. They don't work if you use milk. And milk and water do not mix, at least when it comes to being an adhesive. But it will stick. It will stick <laughs> at the start. It will stick at the start. But it does um, work. Yeah, and I mean, you can use water and uh, baking soda as well. Yeah, and create, create a paste out of it. Yeah, and that works too. Um what what would you say is like when when you look at your approach to beer labels and, and and one thing I will in the show notes here put a link to uh uh Corey's uh Instagram account so that you can see some of the beer labels he's done and how great they are. They're, these are super top notch. This isn't just like oh hey uh he he typed letters across it. It this is like real nice stuff. Um, so my question is, is what, what's your approach to design when you're making a label and, and like, you know, like if, if that makes any sense, like what is your artistic approach? Um, well, the first thing is, is always coming up with the name. The name is really the first thing I come up with in the design. Cause once I, once I know what I'm going to name the beer, then I know 
what area I'm going to go in. It's like um, just like on my Instagram, there's the Back to the IPA and One Hop Willie, which are both the IPAs that I've done so that I'm do that I'm done so far. Um, Back to the IPA was inspired by Back to the Future, which one of the greatest movies out there. Um, and so that's what really I'm like, well, I, I'm going to kind of mock the font of it. And okay. Then I want it to look like the DeLorean has, is about to reappear and it has an electrical field around it. Um, so it, it all depends on where I'm going with the title of it. Um, the my next brew I'm actually doing is a dark winter ale, and I'm calling it Blitzen, and it's going to have a drunk drunken reindeer on it. <laughs> yep. So, um, it all depends. Yeah, it's key is coming up with the name. The name. Yeah, is and me, I hear the word really... Blitz, and I think like a death metal one, but you know that's because I apparently am into death metal beer right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, there, there's there's some good ones out there. Yeah, there's so. definitely some good. Uh, my, it's it's actually kind of a joke. My um my brother-in-law is really into death metal, and every time he comes here, we go to a local brewery here that does the these amazing like death metal themed labels. And I actually love the graphic design behind it all. The beer's pretty good. It's not <laughs> as good as the labels, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as far as, uh, your artistic approach goes, how long do you think you took to actually like learn the software? Like, you know, like I know that you were already a graphic designer. So when you started making beer that came after your graphic design kind of chops, you know, if I were brand new, didn't know what I was doing, trying to learn how to get better at graphic design, what do you think is the learning curve to actually do something that looks really professional? Um, couple, couple months, I would say three to four months before you're kind of looking at it going, okay, I can do this. Um, and it, it will look professional. It, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of hard. I went to, I went to school for it. So, I mean, yeah. I, I did three years of art school <laughs> for graphic design and, but they teach you everything you need to know. So, yeah. but just to get the general basics down and start having good stuff coming out, I would say, yeah, I would say three to four months. Yeah. And I know that one of the big things of gra graphic design is like font choice and font theory. What would you say is a good basic kind of rules of thumb when it comes to general graphic design and choosing of fonts and what clashes with what? Um, you, you want, you don't want too many fonts and on one on one label or one design um, because they're just going to all, unless they're really, really close to each other. Uh, it's okay to go with two different fonts that look two different, completely different than each other. Cause one's going to make one stand out over the other. Um, and it's in the graphic design world. We always tell people stay away from the font papyrus and comic <laughs> sans. Those two fonts just need to die. Because yeah. everybody yeah. comes to you, no matter what the project is. But I really like this font. Well, that's Papyrus, <laughs> and I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. Well, and, and Papyrus, uh, just as a history for everyone that uh, isn't really super into geeky internet forums where they totally uh, slam <laughs> it. Um, Papyrus and uh, Comic Sans specifically are like basic fonts you would find on any basic uh, Microsoft machine from the 90s. And they just have kind of continued to go and go and go. And so the idea is that uh, they're just associated with really poor graphic design that you would see like in a small like uh, a, like a small laundry or um, someone who right. just like wanted to print a, a poster to hang in the window. Right. Something that goes right on your bulletin board at work saying happy birthday to somebody. Exactly. Or, I'm having a birthday party come um but there's i mean there's a great website that i go to for fonts um you can buy you can use them free for personal use um you can then if if you went commercial you can buy a commercial license off the person who creates the font is dafont.com yeah i i love dafont it's a great one they have 
and it's there's they have so many different fonts and you what's nice is you can type in what you want the name of your beer or whatever word you're using into a uh, text field and then hit submit and it will show you all those fonts what yeah. in that what whatever you t- typed in the website yeah and and just to be clear on the on the font thing, uh for anyone who's listening and not aware fonts are actually a work of art right they're like an image they're like music right if if somebody's oh, yeah. a font designer um it is actually a piece of art for somebody to make this text in a shape uh in a certain way and so if you were to have a specific font that you wanted or a, a font that you wanted to replicate, you could actually always Google it. You could end up on a website and, and some fonts out there are hundreds of dollars. They can be very, very expensive. And so the idea about like a, a website, like the font, think of it as like a royalty free website for music. And so the idea is that, uh, or, or stock photos or something like that. And they kind of have a, a license that says, Hey, you can use all these fonts just as long as you're not making money from them. That's usually the case. Correct. Um, yeah, exactly. Another, that's exactly yeah, how they work. Another place I like to find fonts are like Google fonts, right? Um, cause uh, obviously those fonts tend to be, um, is well, you know, easy to use and, and open. Mm-hmm. And what's nice too, is if, um, it, when you get into using the Adobe softwares, uh, they have their own font font kit called type kit. And there's, I think 1500 fonts that are included just through Adobe that you can't get anywhere else. So they, yeah. They're trying to take over that market as well. Yeah, uh, Typekit's pretty extensive. And the cool thing is, is that even then, those fonts are, like you said, you can't find them anywhere else. Uh, and, you know, there's probably people who get close, but it's never exactly the same thing. Right. And what's great about those fonts, too, is um, they, because of their uh, web web so- uh, software, Dreamweaver, Typekit, they, you can actually export those bundles so you can use them on a website. So if you made a bottle of beer and you created a website with it as well, um, you can have that font on your website as well. Exactly. And, and the one thing is, is that if you use a font from default, you, it's really hard to do it at though. Google fonts, those fonts are easy to actually import into the CSS of a website as well. Right. Correct. Yeah. There. Um, yeah. Usually with Google fonts, all you have to do is type in an uh, API call out, even in, on in the header of your website and it will have every Google font. You just have to call it out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, like the, the, those companies and what they've done with fonts has been pretty amazing over the years, just because, you know, I, I, I've at some point done some really poor graphic design in my history and it used to be very, very difficult to get a font and very, very expensive. They, there used to never be any of these royalty free for personal use kind of sites. If you wanted to use that font, you were going to pay for it. Exactly. I don't care if you had a business or not. Yeah. I want to be the guy who invented Helvetica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't uh, think that one's worth very much money anymore. <laughs> oh, I think it still goes for like $40 if you don't have it. Really? That's crazy. I mean, everything you like your computer comes with Helvetica now, but it yeah, does still, still crazy. But yeah. I think, I think it's still $40 if for, for non-commercial use. Yeah. So, so let's say I'm not super artistic, right? Um, let's say, you know, cause illustrator has lots of drawing and lines and those kinds of things that I know that that seems to be your main platform. What do you, what would you say is like a, a good approach for somebody who's not super artistic, wants to get something that looks great and, and could ramp up quickly? Like what, what would you say is a good approach that way? Um, finding, finding images. I mean, you can Google anything nowadays and find an image for it. Um, just make sure. I mean, if it's for personal use, you can use it. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah um, if you're not making money from it, it's pretty much you're you're fine. Yeah. Um, it's and and there's plenty of stuff out there um, that you can do. A lot of times when I'm kind of having writer's cramp, or I don't know what we call it in the graphic world designer's block yeah let's um, go with designer's block. <laughs> <laughs> um there's a lot of times i go do a google and do a search on okay this is 
this is the kind of style I want. Um, this is the beer I'm brewing, the style of beer I'm brewing. And I'll look at other other companies' labels and be like, oh, they that's that they did a really good job on that. Or um okay, yeah, I, I want to do something like that, but I don't want to copy them. Um so there's a lot of a lot of creativity, even if you're if you don't have that um I you can draw doodle on a piece of paper first and that a lot of times that brings a lot of ideas out for me is I'll just grab a pen and just start scribbling. Um, and it's not even what I want it to look like. It, it usually half the time it's completely different from what I scribbled out. Um, yeah. Cause it just gets you started, right? Yeah, it just gets those juices flowing. And once you actually start zoning in, um it it just it starts happening naturally and i've been talking to friends on the phone they're like oh you should name your beer this and then um if i'm really into that name i'll put a design and email it and send pictures to my buddies within 20 minutes be like this is this is it like the on my instagram i have the uh you'll shoot your rye out kid <laughs> and I love that movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, I do too. I don't know how my girlfriend hates it. What? Okay, she That's says a, she doesn't. That, that She's sitting for... right next to me right now, and she says I don't hate it. <laughs> She's just never sat through the whole movie. That's a, that's oh. a staple in our house. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about the a Christmas story, which is a classic. That's a great movie. Um, and my friends like, oh, you should do a Christmas brew and do it mock uh the name somehow if you notice on three of my labels now are all 80s movie influence you have back to the future goonies and then uh you'll shoot your rye out kid with a christmas story um but yeah he's like i I sat there i'm like okay what's what am i going to call it and so my friend actually came up with the name and i'm like that's perfect that is really good. Um, and we're actually going to do a rye uh, saison from it. I, yeah, I, my, some of my favorite saisons are right. I, I ha- actually, my personal favorite saison I've ever made was actually a, um, a, 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 a chocolate rice saison that turned out amazing. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, and he came up, he texted me the name. I'm like, he's like, you should do a design for that. I'm like, all right, yeah, let me think about it. And within 20 minutes, I was texting him back. But the idea that it came to me and like, you'll shoot your eye out. All right, let's just do a picture. And it's simple. It's just a picture of a pair of glasses with some cracks in it where the the B, the Red Rider BB gun shot them. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it you don't have to go extravagant with a label. Sometimes the simplest is the best. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of simplicity. I I I did a label this year personally that was a was very very loud. It was my it was my take on the King Sue label with the uh um from Toppling Goliath with the the giant Tyrannosaurus. Mine was called T Hayes the Juice Hunter. Um, <laughs> so uh just and it was a hazy IPA and um actually the label turned out a lot better than the beer, but it was super loud, lots of colors, uh, you know. But but the cool thing is is uh I got a lot of cl- like I used a lot of like clip art that I got from uh some like open clip art uh, uh yeah. repositories. And uh that's always a great place if you're looking for like cartoon characters and things like that. Yeah, I didn't even think of clip art. I mean it's there's so much stuff out there that you can grab and use on your own personally you don't have to buy it um so i mean that's what's great you you can find anything you want out there um so there might be a label i'm going to ask you this question you start with the label first and then go to the beer or do you do the beer and then the label it sometimes it's either one sometimes it's the label sometimes it's the beer first um also, so far, it's been, I would say more of it has been label first. I get the idea from the label, and then this is, it helps me plan on what style I'm going to make. Um, 
Like I have a, my favorite one I've brewed so far is uh, the Manic Mocha, which was an Imperial Mocha Stout. Um, I really like Imperials. I mm-hmm. like that that deep flavor that they they really do. Um, but I did a it was chocolate, milk, coffee, all in the same beer, and it's it brewed at it, it its final ABV was twelve point one percent. And nice, you could not even taste the alcohol. Everybody was just sitting there going, "Are you sure there's alcohol in here?" I'm like, "There is. There's a lot of it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, and then you uh, and then you you drink an entire bottle of it, and uh, you realize there is a lot of it in there. <laughs> I, I I made the mistake of one night not thinking about it, drank three of them in about thirty minutes, and oh man, that's a rough was, morning. <laughs> I was I was stuck on the couch. <laughs> yeah, that is a rough um, morning. But like my brother, um, one of my brothers just got married like, about a month ago, um, and for one of his wedding gift for his wedding gift from me, I wanted to brew uh, his his favorite style of beer, um, and I asked so I asked him what his favorite style was, and he's like, oh, I really like pilsners and I like stouts. I'm like, wow, that's you're on two different sides of the rainbow there. Usually you're either a dark beer lover or you're the lighter beer lover. Um, but I'm like, well, I don't have enough time to do a stout for you. So you're getting a Pilsner. Um, but I ended up making a honey Pilsner and like that beer came first before the label. Um, and it all, it, it just all depends. Sometimes if I'm making it for somebody, then it's whatever their style that they enjoy. And then the label comes after. But it, usually if I'm creating it, I'm sitting at my computer, I create a label. And then usually three, two to three weeks later, I'm, I start brewing it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to be honest, like this is as much of an art as, as brewing can be. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's definitely like a, an approach. I like, like me personally, I just make beer and then the name of the beer comes second. Uh, that's just usually my style. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of the times I don't even name them. I just am like, this is brown beer, you know, or whatever. this, this so, is beer. Just drink it. Yeah. It's just beer. Drink it. And what is it? It's a Saison, I think. Right. Yeah. No, I've. I, I totally understand. Sometimes I just like, sometimes I'll sit at the computer and I'm having designers block and I'm just like, I'm just going to brew it. I don't think I'm going to name it. And then the next day I'll sit back at my computer and then I'll have design done. Um, exactly. It, it's just, it's hit or miss. I mean, it is, it is, it can get frustrating with graphic design. I mean, even without designing beer labels, um, like I, I work for, I've been working, the company I work for, we do water, uh, water treatment. And so we sell ROs and reverse osmosis systems. So it's like, I, I would not tell anybody else if they make homebrew, do not use any other water, but our reverse osmosis water. Uh, <laughs> but um, coming up with designs there, it's like, well, how much can you really do for water treatment there's not much to it so that you get frustrated at work and then you'll have a idea at home for a beer label and then i'll go the next day back at work and be like okay yeah i can whip this design out no no problem um so it kind of it kind of plays on its on each other uh sometimes i drink my beer while making labels yep and so that helps yeah, totally. And 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 to go back to the reverse osmosis thing, um, you you live in Phoenix. I mean, how is the tap water there? Horrible. It smells <laughs> smells like a swimming pool coming out of your faucet. Oh man, that yeah. Uh, uh, so I we live in I, I live in Denver, Colorado. I actually live uh, very close to Golden, which is you know obviously where Coors is, um, and. Uh, and actually, my water source, I think, is either the same or similar to theirs. And uh, people, you know, are always like, oh, man, our water here is great. It makes great beer. 
and I still use distilled water to make my beer and then just build the salts from there. So yeah, yeah. I'm totally a, uh, I'm a water geek and, uh, you know, one day I'm going to actually have an RO system and then just go from there. But yeah, every time I brew a batch, I, I buy 10 gallons of distilled and start there. Oh yeah. That's the same thing. I mean, if I don't, um, I don't have an RO in my home right now. Don't tell yeah. my boss, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be very upset. Yeah. That's he'd awesome. probably send somebody over and be like, we're putting one in right now. Well, we have him listen to the podcast. Maybe he'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's I, I go to the store and I just buy purified water. Um, I mean, our, our hard our water is so hard down here as well. So we have a lot of calcium and mag, uh, magnesium in our water. Yep. And it just throws off the taste of the beer. The yeah. first batch I ever brewed, I just used our tap water. And everybody was like, oh, it's so good. This is so good. I'm like, eh. Yep. Really? I but, I, li- I lived in Utah, and we had the same issue where, um, you know, next to the Great Salt Lake, we had super hard water. And uh, it was heavily with copper, um, magnesium, and it had a lot of uh, just a lot of alkaline in it. And so it was so hard. Like, I, you would boil water, and it would be like you, there would be salt in it. Oh, yeah, and you, yeah. Do, and you just don't want that in your beer. No, man. But <laughs> you, don't you know want what? It made a great stout. Like it would make a great like porter or stouts were great there because hard water and and uh, and stouts and porters go really well together. Um, but like if you tried to brew an IPA, it just had this like astringent flavor, and it was all driven by water. Ugh. Yeah. So uh, what, what if, if you were to say like right now you, you you're brewing in a bag, you're making these really cool labels. What, what's your next upgrade on your uh, brewing system? What, what would you say like six months from now? Where do you want to be? Um, I, w- I actually want to go three kettle. Um, and uh, right now I, I use a mini fridge for my fermentation so I can control temperature and everything. Um but then I want to with with the fridge. I want to have full size fridge and and two mini fridges with it, uh, just so I can have more batches going at once. Um, because it's just I want more beer. Yeah, and my friend absolutely. and my and my friends want more beer, and it's it's so sad when I finish a brew, bottled it, and it's all ready to be drank, and I start handing out beers, and I look at my my amount for myself and i'm like wow i only have five six left for me how's this work <laughs> that's what, you guys that's why i keg it <laughs> yeah i'm like you guys aren't paying for this i am exactly well you know and and kind of the idea for for me is is that like you know to be honest uh when you're making five ten gallon batches of beer uh it, it's let's be honest, it's not healthy to drink that much beer too f- quickly, right? It, you want to take it time and drink it slowly. And, and to be honest, if you have friends that are drinking it with you, it helps you so that you can get through beer, not uh, overdo it <laughs> all the time. And then you're also continually brewing. Cause to me, brewing is as much fun as the drinking part. And so um, at least that's my approach. Uh, we're, we're half the time we're, we're, we're piss ass drunk halfway through the brewing process. Yeah. Cause we're all drinking while we're, while I'm brewing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to, and now I'm like, I, I'm a, I'm a one pint of a batch guy when I'm, when I'm brewing just because, uh, I've, I've, I've screwed up a couple batches in my early days and uh, I was like, no more. <laughs> That's one thing I'm proud of right now is I have not had a bad batch yet. Oh, it'll happen. Just, trust I'm me, waiting you'll, for you'll it to happen. Oh, I'm waiting. It happens. I, I know it's going to happen, but yeah, I'm, I'm still impressed. I, a few batches like it's just like every now but the thing to me is uh if you have bad beer like life is too short to drink bad beer dump the batch um and just make another one you know it's not worth it I, yeah exactly i have a lot of buddies that uh you know just cannot dump a batch and you're just like dude this is so infected please don't yeah let yeah me no <laughs> no and uh, my but my, you know my, and my friends call me the beer snob of the group um <laughs> because if 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 the six pack costs less than 9.99 i'm not drinking it <laughs> those that, that you're going straight on a price cartel i like it 
Um, yeah. So yeah. So going to a three vessel system, you've already got a fermentation chamber. You're well on your way, man. I'm, I'm that's super exciting and, uh, look forward to, uh, seeing where, where you are brewing, um, you know, in the next year. Cause obviously, you know, you're on your one year anniversary. I, I can't wait to see the, the labels, the, the beer you're brewing and, and what your uh, system looks like in a year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, it's, I'm, I just, it's yeah it's brewing these smaller batches it's just it's just not doing it anymore yep absolutely well Corey, thank you so much for coming on my show i'm I'm, i can't wait to uh uh you know discuss this topic with uh all of our listeners and uh you know uh, thank you so much for being on homebrewing diy thank you thank you again i this was a really good time so um yeah if if you're any of your uh, if they have any questions that you can't answer that are more towards me, you can always uh, reach out to me and I'll, yeah. I can answer the questions for them. Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll make sure I leave your Instagram information um, so that people can check out your really cool labels. And uh, I'll make sure I link to that from the show notes. So uh, check it out. Awesome. So awesome. Thanks, Corey. Thank you. I'd like to thank Corey for taking the time to talk to us today. If you head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, you can get detailed show notes, and I'll add some photos of his labels there. I'll also add a link to his Instagram account so you should check it out. And remember to send your homebrew hacks to the email podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. We look forward to reading them on the air. Well, thanks for listening. See you in two weeks on Homebrewing DIY. <laughs>